Hello and welcome to Getting It Down, capturing the moment of creativity. I'm your host, Andy Gordon, and in this podcast I chat with creative people and ask the questions, what is creativity? How do you be creative and how do you help people express that creativity? These are questions that might be hard to put your finger on, but when you do, you can feel the pulse. So sit back, make yourself comfortable and listen in. Welcome to this episode of Getting It Down. Today we're in the house of Stephanie Monteith, who's a visual artist based in Sydney, and she has a show coming up, I'm sure we're going to talk about that show and and her body of work. Welcome, Stephanie, and thank you very much for joining me. It's a pleasure. In fact, here I'm saying joining me, but I've come to your place, so thank you. Too true. (laughs) (laughs) Um, We're in a room full of paintings at the moment, it's... uh, it's a lot of work that's going to go into this show. Can you tell me a little bit about what's happening? I like to work from observing what's around me. So whether it's the landscape, a person, still life, uh, it's directly observing those things and translating them into a painting, really. Mm. So there's no sort of photographic sort of in-between. There's a sort of straight connection for me. Mm. to the subject they're um they're quite realistic but then they're they've got this really poetic beauty about them how do you describe your paintings that's actually it's always so hard i i'm happy uh, to describe them sitting like this with you where there's some around um it's it's when when they're not around it becomes even more difficult but mm. um i guess there's there's different processes depending on that subject so if i'm working in the landscape it's uh the the process of working on plein air and that's um sitting in that space um weathering whatever's around you the sun the wind um and and responding to what you're seeing as well as being in it. Uh, it's, it's much faster than, say, a, a studio painting where there's a still life in an interior space and you can control the light mm. much more so than if you're outside and the sun's travelling across the sky. So it, it, it's sort of um, just being in the moment with, with the painting, um, I think. Mm. I'm sitting opposite a painting that was hung in the Archibald Prize and um, the light is amazing. I'm, I'm assuming that it's a studio shot, is that right? Yeah, so that's um, – there's a still life you saw outside earlier on in the studio um, and I've got a big window that lets in natural light and you can set things up next to that so that they're predominantly getting natural light. Uh, so that's was set up in the same place as the other still life you've just seen, right? And um, I, given it's a self-portrait, um, I, I painted the objects, and then to see myself in life rather than from a photograph, I had to set up uh, several mirror mirrors reflecting um, myself back to myself, and and so so 
there's there's multiple mirrors and and then I could work that profile sort of into the painting because yes. um, I'm not looking directly at myself as you see if you, if you yeah. often see in a in a self portrait and is that how you conceived the painting before you began it no in fact I um it was going to be where I am in the painting. There was going to be a skeleton. I've done a number of paintings over the years where the skeleton sits in as a, a sort of a human presence. Um, and I had it set up with the skeleton where I am in, in that composition. And then as I was painting the, the fabrics and the objects, I thought, oh, I've I don't really want to do another skeleton painting. Um, and then it, 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 I thought, well, I'll, I'll put myself in there. It can be a, a self-portrait. So I just I swapped places with the skeleton. And, then, <laughs> and that must have been quite an elaborate, like it sounds like a technical achievement with the mirrors to be able to do that as well. Yes, it's, it's – um, people have done it in the past. Um, so it's, it's – I didn't invent the idea, but um, – uh, it's just a matter of, of um, basically putting a mirror where the easel originally was, a big uh. mirror, and then I sat in the still life and used a hand mirror to get a reflection of what was on the easel because you need to reflect it uh, twice, I think, to get the right, um, you know how reflection yes. reverses everything? Yes. So that meant that I was... Reflecting it twice meant it had built in a correction right. to to take it back to, <laughs> That's fascinating. to the the view you see from the easel. Yeah, <laughs> was that an easy task or was that difficult? You know, in fact, the well, I don't consider myself a portrait painter. I don't, I don't think the portrait is the most difficult part of that painting. Um, so, no, the the feat of actually doing it was was not the portrait stage was not not too difficult in the end mm. no that the fabrics and the detail and and the oranges took many layers so yes yeah it, it's not too hard once you sit down and do it right mm. what was the inspiration for that one or if you feel like you'd prefer to talk about a different painting what's the approach when you begin the idea of a new work well with these studio paintings there's you've because you've got more time uh the light's not moving as it does when you're outside you can really play with composition and and what's going to be in the painting what's going to be out of the painting so there's a lot of time taken to rearrange things um do sketches to to plan um and change the lighting you know try try it in different spots so the lighting affects um things just almost as much as putting in a new object as how you light it whether it's natural light coming from a window whether it's spotlit or two light sources all that sort of thing um so really working on that um is is a big part of preparing to start the painting is that Uh, as enjoyable as painting it um, that, yeah, that conceiving the idea and, and placing everything. Yeah, enjoyable is an interesting word. I, I mean, such a funny thing, isn't it? Making stuff. Um, 
I don't know what the most enjoyable part of it is. It, it, some of it's quite fraught. Sometimes the composition works or you think it's working. And then, as I said, this was con- the composition was conceived of with a skeleton mm. there. But, but I could swap a skeleton for a figure and um, I guess it changed the tonality because the figure is actually in shadow and the skeleton. I don't think it was going to be so... Um, this is almost a silhouette, isn't it, the, yes. the figure? I don't think I had it that way. So it, it did change the composition. And, it, and look, I find that all the time. I'll right. plan and plan and plan. I don't mind. I, I, I do enjoy. I enjoy all different stages in different paintings. Mm. It's, it's not a sort of um, predictable thing, actually. Mm. Mm. But, um, but the making of, of art is not necessarily enjoyable. Sometimes it is. Sometimes it's uh, oh, it's just it's it can be just work. Um, mm-hmm. You know, oh, I I I go out there, I I do it. You know, this is my time to paint. Um, mightn't really feel like doing it, but you just start, and then it's fine. Um, but sometimes you get to a point and you think, well, it's not finished, but what's wrong? And it can, you can you can get a bit stuck. Yes. So, what do you do when you hit the wall like that? Um, I, you know, I find uh, this is where I do find photography kind of helpful is take a photo of the that stage of the painting. Oh. Um, sometimes even taking the photo on your phone because it shrinks it down so small, you just see the the composition different differently. Mm. Um, I also use a mirror to reflect it back to myself. So I um, stand with my back to the painting and look in the mirror. So I'm seeing the paint, the image reversed, the the painting reversed. And that actually means you can, you pick up on things because you've got tired of looking at it in the same format and you need to freshen it up somehow. And that can really reveal good and bad. Yeah. It can reveal good and bad. Um, it can you might it might even reveal say in the uh, something in the drawing that's incorrect right. um so you might say oh my goodness the ear is not in the right place at all and i didn't notice it when i was oh. looking and looking and looking at it There's, if you get a long way into a painting though and the drawing's out that's that's always a really annoying thing yes so you, you want to try and get those things early on but um with photography too, I sometimes even print out those photos um, and just draw on on top of them. Right. So change uh, change aspects of the painting that way without having to make the alterations on the the painting itself, and then you can move forward. Sometimes you can do dramatic things quickly, see what it looks like without having to do it on the painting. Yes, you're not committing. Yeah. Mm. Yep. Yep. So it's a little trial. Yeah, that's um, that's an interesting way of either fooling your brain with the mirror or um, mm. or that idea of changing the medium and yeah. looking at yep. it a different way. Yep. Because when you then go and work over the um, the printout, would that be with paint or would that be with pencil or? Could be pencil. Sometimes coloured pencils handy. Yeah. Um, mm. They can be a little bit transparent. Uh, sometimes even collaging with yeah, paper right. into right. it 
So just depends on um, what sort of changes you're making. Mm. I don't often use paint um, at that stage because they're quite small, so it's just something that you can do really quickly. Yeah. might even be texture, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You're looking for uh, mm. uh, the result of change. Mm, mm, and doing it quite quickly. I find it more helpful that way um, than I think uh, you could use something like Photoshop, but I, it's just a little bit flat, right. um, the result. And Have you done much work with computers? Is that a helpful thing or do you find for your practice that it's the physicality and the, the pen and pencil? And um, I, I do use, uh, say at the end, you know, documentation of photograph works and um, you know, that, so I use the computer then to um, for that stage. I don't use it directly so much in the creative part of it. Although, as I'm saying, I, I do print out something so that I can quickly manipulate it and make dramatic changes if mm. I think it needs it. Mm. But not every painting requires that. The land, the works in the landscape, really need that and um, I think you saw one in the studio that's a landscape where I've stuck a just a bit of paper onto the painting to try altering the composition that way mm. so it tends to be more a physical thing yes then the, the computer is is handy in a lot of ways but not uh, yeah not not using it so much to make um, breakthroughs in composition. Yeah, mm. the work that you're describing was a um, a two-panel piece from memory. Yep. And it's an outdoor um, image, uh, landscape, and there's a piece of paper that looks like it's just a bit of paper that's been torn off and stuck on the picture, and you were explaining that that might be a bird or something else. Mm. Mm. And I guess my brain was thinking well, it's not really shaped like a bird but I guess that's not what you're looking at is it you know you're looking to see what happens if you place something there yes yeah and I suppose uh, so the scale of it's going to be important oh, right. so, so really what I it was an abstract thing mm. what you saw out there but once you've got the shape and the scale and you think it's working in terms of the composition, um, then I guess you're tr trying to find what would it be. Mm. It's that, that white blob in the tree, would it be a sulphur? Or oh, it's not a blob, it's a kind of long, shaggy strip of, longish, sh shaggy strip of paper that's torn and could be a sulphur-crested cockatoo. Um, yeah, it could it could... Yeah, it's it's just uh, finding a way. So it's, it's two things: a tension between what's observed, but a composition that has, I suppose, melody to move the eye through mm. the, the the space and the illusions that you're creating. So it's there's a lot of invention. It's mm. not sort of straight observation. The the outdoor works, the on plein air works. Um, seem on the face of it more detailed than the studio work, but that's a trick really, isn't it? Oh, it's so unfortunate because I uh, I sort of set out uh, these, having the idea in my mind is 
on plein air, you've got to work quite spontaneously because the light is changing. Um, so it's kind of channeling that freshness into the, the painting. Um, and then I'll go and work and work and work. And <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, um, but that's so, not cheating. I think that's been done. No, no. Since yeah. since art began, began really, hasn't it? I mean, no, well, since that of, style of painting. Yes, yeah. So the, I suppose you'd say took off mostly with impressionism. Mm. Once they had portable paint or easily transportable paint in tubes, um, gave them a way to to work rather than in the studio, but outside. Before that, they had to carry the paint in pig's bladders, which could explode quite easily. So the desire to paint outside and transport all your art materials to was a spot. Fraught. Yeah, it was more challenging. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you, when you're working outside, do you use a different palette um, compared to when you're working inside? Um, I... I, I suppose I set the palette for each painting I... Um, I, I, Maybe would sorry to interrupt. Yeah. Would you mind explaining to someone listening wh- what, what is meant by the palette? Yeah. So set the palette um, would mean choose the pigments I'm going to use for that painting and organise them. Um, I like to have you got primary colours: red, yellow, blue; secondaries: green, orange, and violet. I like to sort of have a, an array. Uh, so, so two of the primaries at least, maybe a few secondaries. Um, oh, sorry, two of each. Not so much with violet, but um, say two greens, maybe one orange as well. You don't need a lot of oranges. Um, and then some earth colours. Don't really use much black and um, and just white. So having that... Setting the palette means you're going to return to those colours for that that painting, and I suppose um, then you've got a a unity within the painting. If you don't suddenly introduce another colour later on that's never been used before, it mightn't sit so well yeah. within the mix. So, and I do a lot of mixing as not sort of using the colours straight from the tube. You after you've chosen the pigments, then I'll have my palette and I'll put the colours out um, generally in the uh, arranged in the order of this the spectrum so from lightest starting with white through the yellows oranges reds and down right down to um, after reds you get uh, the violets blues and then into the greens mm. and from that I can do all my mixing mm. um, I am trying to uh, push more into working tonally first if you get a, a composition working tonally uh and so that means tone is just dark darkness and lightness mm. um then once you start putting the color in the color conforms to those tones um it, it, it's going to work. Um, so by working, I mean, you know, the eye will flow through the composition. Um, it'll have a suggestion of space that you want, all that sort of stuff. 
the color will 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 follow the tone um so i perhaps don't spend enough time sometimes uh considering this i'm a bit of a colorist so i naturally kind of start to develop these color compositions and then i think oh gosh it's just it's not working tonally so it's something i want to try and uh, develop i guess in the future and uh, is is not being completely a tonal painter where you do a tonal study and then you do the the color mm-hmm. study and then you do the final color painting but it, it's using some of those um, techniques to to iron out go having to go back and change things you know mm. Mm. later on in the painting it can just save you that that um re redesigning i guess you should do it at the beginning. <laughs> mm. I think um, uh, unless you're a painter yourself, it's hard to imagine how much work goes into a canvas. You know, on the face of it, they can seem such simple um, things to look at and yet even the simplest paintings often have an awful lot of work in them. And I mean, notwithstanding the thought and the and the process, the creative process of coming up with it, it's the physicality of it is often mm. remarkable. Mm. Mm. Um, I'm amazed by um, the amount of work that goes into creating something with paint, particularly. Yes, it can do, and then and then sometimes that'll backfire on you, where it just becomes a laboured. Yes, yes, right. <laughs> Painting. But um, so it's that tension, isn't it, between – because you can achieve – you can get a good result sometimes very quickly. That that little um, canvas right in the centre up the top, it's got a lot of light green and pink yes. in it. Yeah. That was a very quick painting. Right. Um, and and sometimes you just you just go okay I'm leaving it that that works right now I'm not going to fuss around with it. Yes. Um, it seems um, a much tighter focus though that painting than yeah, some of maybe. the other landscapes. Do you think that that informs the speed? Perhaps yeah the focus um, maybe g- getting the composition right earlier mm. on that can eliminate fussing around. Um, and just sometimes you just want a lighter touch and you can leave things, I guess. Uh, yeah, that and that tiny little one over there near the yeah, uh, that's beautiful. piano, I- that was a really quick painting. So, so It's a tree by a bank, is that right? Yeah, I went on a bushwalk mm. um, nearby down in, into Heathcote National Park and was sitting in a... Uh, river or creek bed Um, well it's all rock and the the creek's still running through there in parts Um, there's water holes around and the the light was just it was a good angle on that that tree and I just sat there so that that was really but it's small so the scale is going to dictate a little bit how quickly you can do things Um, but uh, that was probably just less than two hours or I, I can't remember but it was quick yeah. Obviously, you can't haul all of your paints with you each time you go somewhere. Do you take a look at the day or do you have a bit of an idea or what's the approach um, to heading out? You know, what do you pack yeah. in the bag? Yeah, you want to um, 
take a couple of canvas options, I guess, that are transportable and then um, set your palette, you know, pick your tubes that you're going to take. Hmm. Uh, Is that a, an enjoyable process? Yeah, yeah, it's fun and, you know, pack a bag, put everything in that you need but not too much hmm. and um, the brushes don't usually need to worry about. I, I use a little bit of medium but you can bring your brushes home with the paint still in them because I use oil paint. It it doesn't dry too quickly and you just wash them when you get home. Right. It doesn't need to be done outdoors. Um, so the, the oil painting medium is, I find, really good for working outside. Um, but it, it I guess you want to have some strategy for probably the trickiest thing is carrying the paintings yes. back without disturbing the paint surface yeah yeah um but in truth a lot of these outdoor paintings i've done in my garden here mm. there are some that are done uh further afield and and so that doesn't require me to 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 pack the bag and and be strategic i don't use an easel either when i go on those treks to oh, do okay. a, do something i just um have a little box that I can lean the canvas board up against or the canvas or board up against and that, that allows, um, you know, you to get the right angle. You can mm. usually prop it up somehow, <laughs> take something to sit on. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> a jumper. The paintings of, of the garden are really, really lovely. Um, it's It's a beautiful perspective and... Um, arriving here for the first time and then coming inside and seeing the outside inside is a really um, interesting and beautiful experience. I like the panel ones too that where you're, you're putting three or four paintings together mm. and, uh, and creating these, in some instances, quite wide paintings, but they're um, lovely, lovely perspective. Yeah, like there's panoramas of... Yeah. of um suburban garden yes they're um they're fun to do you can just keep adding on really um was there a thought behind choosing the garden and and suburbia or was it just is that what you wanted to paint um i think when uh we moved in here there there wasn't much of a garden there were some established trees that we they're still here but we sort of create got really into creating this garden and it was um very luxurious because it was it's primarily ornamental you know it's um it was about arranging colors and textures and so in a sense uh it's a it's a garden that's been constructed to to be pleasurable to look at those different uh tones so whether it's foliage or flowers that set off one another and, it, and it's different at different times of years depending on different times of year depending on what's happening um how the colors react but you know that it sort of became this thing that then I thought well you've got to paint this haven't you it's uh, <laughs> so it wasn't started the garden wasn't begun to be painted painted but mm. then just because you're tuned into yeah, yeah, creating yeah. 
rather than a garden for food. I mean, there's some food sources in it, but it's um, it's about it being pleasurable to be in or yeah. look at. Yeah, but it's wow. quite quite it's it's small. It's only a suburban block on the outskirts of Sydney, so it's not. Um, uh, I, I don't. It's it's not on the scale of uh, these gardens of of great sort of ornamental beauty that you might say the botanic gardens or, mm. but i've i have a long interest i think in that idea of the garden and and it, it's a very artificial sort of construct made by you know people and it's it's like a work of art in itself mm. an ultimate work of art where you're you're contriving things out of, but working working with natural, I guess, objects or, or well, not objects, natural um, plants and landforms, you know, structures, manipulating them and making a whole environment, yes. really. But it's also fraught. It can fail mm, or, and it's mm. constantly changing and, yeah, and yep. evolving and... Yeah, you have to work with it, don't you? Yeah. Yep. It's a mix of control and and hope, isn't it? Mm, mm. Which is interesting. Um, you have been painting for a long time. When did you begin to practice art or to see yourself as an artist? What was it that made you pursue art and a life of creativity? Mm, uh, that's it's always a tricky one. That. Uh, I I've always done art um but you know most children do art I don't think there's anything unusual about that but I just kept on doing it I didn't really stop and uh, I suppose through high school it was something I always made sure I was doing and then just decided to go to art school <laughs> mm. from high school and and so and suddenly you know you you think well this is what I'm doing but I, I I think I was a little bit naive really I didn't sort of think oh I'm an artist I just sort of kept doing the stuff wow. um is that still the way that you feel uh no I think I think you I, I, I think I struggled with growing up. I think you have to grow up at some time and take responsibility <laughs> for yeah. what you've, you know, where you've ended up. And and so yes, I just I just say I'm an art I'm an artist now. And um, I think sometimes people think you're joking, but I, I do teach art as well. So there's the two strands um, of work that I do, and and. Look, it's yeah, it's 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 good. I like doing it. Um, I don't know at what point I really thought I was. Oh, I'm an artist. I don't know when that happened. It it, it wasn't right away at art school. Um, sometime after that. Sometime probably around about probably for about twenty years. Yeah, right. I'd say twenty years. Mm. I'm um, I'm just looking through the the prizes or the finalists um, in various prizes that you've been in the Archibald and the Win and the Sulman and the, the Doug Moran uh, or Moran. 
do you, did that validate you in a way? Did that make you feel more happy with the decision to to be an artist or were they just nice things that happened along the way? Uh, I think, no, definitely um, those things help. Um, it's probably individual as to whether people feel they need validation but I, I would say yes in a sense it does it did make me feel validated um in my choice because there you know you might have periods where things are you, you know you're on a bit of a roll and mm. you seem to be people are interested in what you're doing and um there's always that aspect you know that I think for a visual artist you you make the work and but you want an audience that I, I so it's not so, you're not creating in a vacuum no really, I, d- I don't some artists maybe but I think it's fairly rare so to have that those things happen is is really helpful because at times you know it can seem really quiet and yes. like you're sort of yeah you're just um not getting anywhere. Mm, mm. It's very up and down. Uh, yes. And it, it's a, a fickle business, so there's a lot of, um, you know, that that's that up and down thing. You know, you'll be, be being seen and then you're not. So I, I think uh, it helps. It definitely helps. I, I It really made my day when I heard I'd got in the Archibald and the win in, the, in that same year. I really... I was stoked. Yeah. That was the... Rightfully <laughs> so, I'd imagine. <laughs> but, um, yeah. Did that last for thing. a little while? Was that a nice glow? Yeah, it did. It it mm. really... Um, it was a good feeling. It was It was nice. I'm not sure how nice it would be to win something like that. It. I think it might get... The niceness might start to turn back on you. I wonder, yeah. <laughs> but having not had that level of uh, uh, sort of attention, it, I'm not sure. But right. um, yeah, there'd be. It, I think it'd be hard. Yes. Actually. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree, and I think um, different demands would be made of you that mm. you wouldn't not ordinarily be used to. Mm. Um. So this show that's coming up, when will that happen? Um, well, it's due to open on the 8th of October. Right. Um, and COVID notwithstanding, or is that still, it could, it could not happen? So at the moment, the galleries are open in Sydney. Right. Um, but they do have to restrict numbers. So... Uh, definitely open. Who knows what's going to happen, though? I mean, uh, hopefully um, things go okay. I can't. Oops, sorry. I don't remember the date that it goes till, but it starts the eighth of October, um, and we'll see. You know what kind of visitations we're allowed in those hours. I mean, I was at the gallery yesterday, and the the manager was saying that um, if they have, they're expecting large groups, they actually do have to monitor that they don't get more than 
20 people mm. in the gallery at a time. Mm. So that just physically means someone has to stand on the door and count heads. That's right. But um, it's not the difficulty that's going on for, you know, performing arts, music yeah. and, you know, plays and that sort of thing. So, you know, it's, it's far more restrictive, mm. I guess. Mm. It's the idea, though, mm. of putting together a show and then I guess it's the deadline and... Mm. Do you in is that part of the process for you? Would you paint if you didn't have a show, or it does it? Do you know what I mean? Does it hone your? Oh yeah, it's definitely um don't don't need the show to paint. Um, definitely would just be painting. But um, and and I often use um. There's a lot of exhibitions you can go into. Um. And get your work out there, even if it's not a solo exhibition. But to work towards a solo exhibition is another another sort of level. And, and it's exciting. You know, you can, rather than just one work in a show, you're thinking about how a group of works is going to speak to one another and mm. fit in a certain space. Um, yeah, it's it's really good to, to take that on. I haven't done that for a while, so I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. How many yeah. pieces will go into this of yours? I think there's about 25. Wow. Um, about that many. There's a couple, a few that I'm still finishing, so it's just whether they get to the point of making the cut. Yeah. <laughs> will you cull? Yeah, probably. I think there's more work than I need for the size of the gallery that I'm putting them in, so... Did that inform some of these paintings, the space that you'll be hung in? Um, not, oh, not, no, not particularly, right. no. But I guess it informs whether I, how much work I want to try and mm. make. So it doesn't inform individual works and what I'm doing in those. But I think right now I've got enough um, or more than enough and I can really make sure that I'm, happy with them not not that I'd usually wouldn't show something that I wasn't happy with but yeah you sort of get to a point where you're you're counting them out and you're you're imagining them in the space and mm. how they might go just just preemptively and often once you get there it does change but <laughs> yeah 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 and that process mm. of teaching um uh other people painting that you mentioned earlier, does that inform your practice of art as well or is that a separate thing entirely? Uh, I find it it does inevitably inform your practice. Um, it's I like it because you, you go into these and I teach in quite different different settings that some teaching I do is um, at the National Art School in Sydney. So quite serious, you know, um, people who want to be artists. Mm. And then I also enjoy teaching um, at uh, Hazelhurst Art Centre. And there you get people who are just passionate about just doing their art. Mm. They don't really usually want to get to the point of exhibiting and but they're really really into it and um so 
you might say they're more hobbyists, but the, the, I don't mean that in a derogatory way. No. Um, and it's interesting. You, you talk to these people and you tell them what to do, you know, mm. <laughs> some of the time. Mm. You guide them, you give them advice and how that then you go back and make your own work and you think I should take some of my own advice that I'm oh, handing out to other people. Right. So, um, or it might be in an exercise if you've got people who are quite um, inexperienced and you're giving them, rather than helping them develop their own line of inquiry, they might have already started. You may be starting from scratch and you just find that, uh, yeah, all this advice comes back to you and 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 affects how you might do things mm. I think and mm. maybe you can get an idea right at the moment where you're talking to the person <laughs> right so it, it it's very reflective the two two things or I might be doing something in the studio and think about a particular student and oh they should they should do this you know so it, it, yeah it's good I like teaching it mm. Mm. Steph just to finish up um what is creativity? Um, well, creativity is, I think it's being open uh, to anything being possible, not repeating. Um, if you're making something and you think you know what's going on, then you probably better shake yourself up and (laughs) be careful of that because um if you think you know what's going on there's probably unlikely that there's much creativity there but you need a technical basis that you feel strong in you know it's not like you can just I I can't pick up a guitar and be creative Mm. it's just not going to work I don't I don't play guitar so you need your technical basis to be strong and then you've got to challenge everything you think you know about about it (laughs) yeah not just not technically but what you think you can do with it what you can manage wow so i think you have to push yourself yeah that's it isn't it Mm. gosh that's a great definition (laughs) is there anything else that you would add uh to Anything in particular? Oh, I or? guess I guess your your process of creativity and the way that you go about. Okay, to so that question. I guess so. Yeah. Um. Oh, yeah. This is something. Get. Well, not when you think you've. Say, for, I'm making an exhibition. It's going to be on display. The worst thing is when you, <laughs> you've got it all out there, and someone comes up to you and says, "You know what? This is all shit." Oh, my goodness. (laughs) So now that's an extreme example, but things similar to that have happened to me. But what what I think is good is if before you get to that point of um, that end point, is that you get people who you really regard, who know a lot about it, Um, painting, I guess, in my case, and get their opinion and and when they get them to be brutally honest with you before you put it on display mm. when you when you can do something about it 
It's too late once it's on display. Mm. Um, and when they give you criticism that's tough and hard, don't take it personally. So you've asked them to come and tell you what, what they really think about your work. Let them be tough on it and then it's about the work. It's not about you as an individual mm. and you can do a lot with that. You can you can really help your work and, and, and don't get offended. Don't get upset. Just take it and, and move on with it. Don't you, Your work is not you. It's not an attack on you as an mm. individual. So that can help you creatively to to evolve creatively, sorry, if you can take really tough, hard criticism at the right time. Yes. So bring people into your studio. <laughs> yeah. Ask. Knowledgeable mm. people. Yeah, yeah, not just not just sort of whoever. Just, mm. you know, pick the person and, and have really serious conversations about what's going on and, mm. and you'll be able to get a lot creatively from that mm. i i must say whenever i look at your work it's um deeply intellectual and i um really engage with that but there's always this um and it's the colorist element that you mentioned before but there's always this beauty and this um playfulness in the color that it's interesting being in the room surrounded by um so many of them too because i think that um heightens that response mm, mm. yeah I think it's the it's the what you can do I guess yes have have an exhibition of not just a single work well you're creating an environment aren't you mm. so um yeah it's a mini solo exhibition in here at the moment I'm sort <laughs> of we were gonna have the exhibition earlier in the year but with the lockdown that the galleries were shut so that's when it got postponed. So, in a sense, some things have been ready, you know, for earlier. But now it's it's, it's a few months later, so I've had more time. That's that's fine. Mm. Yeah. Mm. But it is, yeah. It's a bit of. I thought, oh, maybe I'll just I'll just invite people here. But <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if that would work. <laughs> no, I'll be happy to have it in a, a gallery. Yeah. yeah. It's that's yeah. the normal way, isn't it? Yeah. Hey, thank you very much for uh, having us here at your place and, and letting me have this chat with you. It's very, very enjoyable. Thank you, Andy. It's yeah. been really good. Yeah. Thank you. And we'll put the uh, the details of the upcoming exhibition on the, on the website and below the podcast so that people can go and check it out. Great. Wonderful. Thank you. Thanks, Bye. Steve. Well, you've been listening to Getting It Down, conversations about creativity. I hope you enjoyed what you heard and please tell your friends about it. That would be lovely. Remember to subscribe and join us for the next exciting episode.